Thank you, Jamie and Rick. Be turning to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Glad to see all of you here. Now, that may sound just like pulpit chatter, but let me, let me explain. We are so thankful for the live stream capabilities to where even if you can't come, we can step over here and, and reach people with the word of God. And the sermon can still be preached. And I appreciate uh, Cody, Brother Jeremy, Steve Taylor, the ones who put all this together and, and enable us to do that. Uh, I was reminded last Sunday of just how uncomfortable I am to preach to an empty building. <laughs> I depend on looking at you and, uh, and, and getting feedback as if I'm getting through or not. And I can't see you when I'm looking at the camera. Although I was thrilled for the opportunity to continue preaching when March the 22nd rolled around and we had to uh, cease meeting in person. But I am so glad to see all of you here, and you just don't know how much we depend on you when we uh, uh, get to church on Sunday morning. For all of you who are watching, though, we're so glad to have this capability and to broaden the fact that we can reach so many more people, people who don't live in this community or this state. There are people in other parts of the world who are tuning in. We appreciate, of course, that capability, but there's just nothing like getting together uh, in God's house. God had a good idea when he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And when we can't do that, we miss it, don't we? We miss it. Now, we're looking, of course, at big-time, grown-up lessons in the children's Bible story. Now, somebody finish this sentence. Joseph and his coat of many colors. We're looking at that particular Bible story and looking at the big lessons that we can gather from that. In Genesis chapter 37, would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Genesis chapter 37, verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he also made him a tunic or a coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him. It could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheep. And his brothers said, Shall you indeed reign over us? Shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream, told it to his brothers, and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. This time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? His brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? 
Come, I will send you to them. So he said to them, him, here I am. And he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks. Bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, there he was, wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, what are you seeking? So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. The man said, they have departed from here, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before they came near to him, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said one to another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We'll see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness. Do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver them out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass, when Joseph had come to his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted up their eyes, and behold, there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not their, our hand be on him. He is our brother in our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then the Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up, lifted him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites. For 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for history, the history with all of it, the good and the bad, the ugly. It's all here for us to see. Help us to learn the lessons that you have for us. Help us to see your will and your purpose for each of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I know this is a long passage of scripture, but there's really no starting place or ending place that gets the whole story. Now, there's more to this story that we'll look at a little bit later, but we want to start right here. Now, I know that uh, we've passed quite a bit of time since we looked at uh, Noah and the flood. And let me get you up to speed. Up to now, since Noah, there have been many, many generations. And then God spoke to a man named Abram changed his name to Abraham, chapter 12 of Genesis. And he promised to make him a nation. He said, get out of the land, the land of your fathers, the land you're comfortable in, and go to a country and I'll show you where you need to go. Then he obeyed. And in, verse, in chapter 17, he says, I'll make you father of many nations. Gave him the promise. Abraham has several sons. One's name is Isaac. Isaac has twin sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob, which of course we begin the story here, has 12 sons. 
normally a very good situation in a man's home and business. See, a man wanted to have as many sons as he could because that'd be that many more workers in the family business. And of course, he kept flocks. It could be cattle, it could be sheep, could be both. We understand that a man had had many sons, he was blessed. And should be that things were going well with Jacob and in his house because that many workers, that much more business. But things weren't going well. And there's the lessons. You see, Jacob's family is fractured by conflict. Now, that's an understatement. How did this all come about? First of all, there are big problems revealed by small statements. Some of these statements we may just pass over as we read about the coat of many colors, and we know, of course, the summary of this. But the first thing we notice here, if you look real close at details, is we notice that this home, fractured by conflict, how did it get to this way? The high cost of compromise. The high cost of compromise. Where do we find this? Look in verse 2. This is the history of Jacob. Then it shifts to Joseph. Now, let me just say this right here. The rest of the book of Genesis deals with Joseph. One-fourth of the book of Genesis deals with Joseph. So we know this is an important story. We're getting to be an important turning point here. Joseph, being 17 years a teenager, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad, Joseph, 17 years old, was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. Now stop. Did you catch something there? Did you catch something there that we talked about several weeks ago where God's plan for the family, one man and one woman married? Now, there's, there's an issue here. It talks about two wives. Who are these people? How did this happen? Well, two wives just the tip of the iceberg. And you have to, you have to read the story to catch this. And let me summarize it for you. Anybody that says, well, I don't like reading the Bible because it's so boring. Jacob. Jacob, Joseph's daddy, was a young man, single man. He was going through a country, tending to his flocks, saw a beautiful girl named Rachel. He was smitten, caught her eye. He said, I got to go talk to her daddy. So he went and talked to daddy and made a deal with him. He would work for seven years, seven years, and then daddy, his name was Laban, would let him marry Rachel. They, marriages were arranged back then. And, you know, I'm not sure if Rachel had any say in this, but that, that was the deal. And he, and he worked, and this is such a, oh, this is a tender love story. It says, he worked seven years for Rachel, and those seven years were just like a day because he loved her so much. All right, wedding time comes. Obviously, obviously, the custom was that the bride wore a lot of veils over her face. So, do you take this woman? Yes. Do you take this man? Yes. They throw the rice and they leave. <laughs> Joseph lifts up the veil. Nah, it's not Rachel. It's Rachel's sister. Rachel has a sister named Leah. Now, Leah was not as pretty as Rachel, and Laban decided, man, i got to get her married off. So he thought, I'm going to pull those switcheroos. So now all of a sudden, 
he has married Rachel's sister. And he didn't find out till it's too late. Now, Sharon has two sisters, Marcia and Kathy. And I like Marcia and Kathy okay. But man, that would have been a horrible thing if, if, if James Skinner had pulled the switcheroo. That just wouldn't be good. What are we going to do? Well, he went back. Jacob went back to Laban and said, look, we, we got to work this thing out. He said, no, man, the deal's a deal. You said I do, she had I do. You're married. He said, I'll work seven more years for Rachel. And that's what he did. Now, all of a sudden, he's got two wives. He's got two wives. Compromise. But that's, that, he felt like that's what he had to do. Now, Rachel and Leah now, two wives living in the same house. Problems. Because here's what happens. Leah starts having kids. She just has a passel of them right off. I mean, she's got four kids, four sons. Rachel begins to feel bad. Now, what did I say weeks ago? Anytime you see polygamy in the Bible, even though you say, well, these guys had several wives, it's always trouble. And trouble came very quick because now Rachel is all upset because she can't have children. And she feels very bad about this. So what does she do? She compromises. She said, I can't have any children, but I have this servant girl here. Her name is Bilhah. And I can give you this servant girl, and if you have children with this servant girl, they'll really technically be mine, so I'll be happy again. And so, man, this gets complicated. So she gives Bilhah to Jacob, and he marries. Now he's got three wives. And sure enough, she starts having children as well. Time rolls on. Leah can't have any more children. Now she feels left out again. So she says, why don't you take Zilhah, her servant? So he compromises again. Now the man has four wives. That's why I told you. It's just the tip of the iceberg. The man has four wives. And then finally, Rachel has Joseph and another one. Now you have four wives and all these brothers by different mothers, but they're all in one house, mama and all the kids. Now, then you have the hint of family betrayal. Look a little closer. The lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his brother's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. I think the King James says, evil report. Evil report. Now, what was happening? Well, let's look at the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, and maybe we get a little bit of insight to the story. Now, if you do a little bit of homework, you understand that the sons of Bilhah were Dan and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilpah were Gad and Asher. Well, here was 17-year-old Joseph with his big brothers. They're all adult men by now because he's 17. And who are these guys? Well, years later, Jacob is passing blessings on his sons, and he has some things to say about his sons, and the light bulb begins to go off. Turn to chapter 49. He's listing all of his sons 
And he's saying something about each of these sons. And we realize the four guys that 17-year-old Joseph has gone out to work with. What would happen is they would send the boys out and tend the sheep. Now, later on, they're in Shechem. They're 50 miles away, so they weren't within earshot of the house. He would send them way off somewhere, and he couldn't see what was going on. And they could be miles and miles, days of travel from the house. They're away from Daddy's watchful eye. And these four men are where Daddy can't see them, but now he's sent 17-year-old Joseph there to be trained. Well, let's look at Dan, chapter 49, verse 17. This is from... Jacob, Dan's daddy. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider shall fall backward. Dan, according to Joseph, I mean Jacob, he's sneaky as a snake. He's a snake in the grass. His daddy said that. He's a snake in the grass. Well, what about Naphtali? Look in 49 verse 21. Naphtali is a deer let loose. He uses beautiful words. He's a deer let loose. Now, I've seen videos, and you may have had firsthand experience if you have encountered a deer trapped in a fence. Is, is it a mild and, and relaxed experience at all? Oh, absolutely not. He's kicking. He's flailing around. He's lunging. And, I mean, it is just wild. Then, if you finally get that out of a fence or out of the, the, if you let a deer loose, do you have any idea which direction he's going to go in? Oh, you don't have any idea. This man was wild. This man was untamed. This man was unpredictable. You didn't know where he was going. You didn't know what he was going to do. That was Naphtali. But then it says this, he uses beautiful words. On top of all this, dangerous combination, wild, unpredictable, untamed, but he was a smooth talker. He was a smooth talker. Then you have the sons of Zilpah, Gad. Look in verse 49, verse 19. Gad, our troops shall tramp on him, but he'll triumph at last. Now, there's a good side to this. He's tenacious. He's tenacious. He doesn't quit. He's persistent. But then there may be the other side of the coin. Gad, you better watch him. Because he's going to get even. He will get even. You will not get ahead. Gad will get even. And then you have Asher, the fourth brother. Chapter 49, verse 20. Bread from Asher shall be rich, and he shall yield royal dainties. Asher, well, he liked the finer things in life. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 24 said, Asher will dip his foot in oil. Hey, that's a first oil tycoon, I suppose. But what, of course, we're dealing with is, is olive oil. And I think some translations, he'll bathe his feet in oil. I mean, this guy really liked all of the best in life. Now, if you put all these four together, you have one sneaky as a snake, one who is wild and unpredictable. He's a smooth talker. You have another with who's tenacious. He would get even. He's going to get what he wants. And then you have Asher who really wants all the best things. You have these four men. And then you have 17-year-old Joseph going, obviously, this was a bad combination. These brothers were doing something. 
We don't know what it was. But their behavior was severe enough to be reported to dad. Now, how do you think the brothers responded to that? Well, when we were kids, what would we call Joseph? A tattletale. Now, the problem is the tattletale. Well, the problem is the behavior in the first place, but the tattletale didn't make anything better. So we understand there's a hint of betrayal in the family when we look at the details of who these guys were. Big problems revealed by small statements. But the big picture here is the poison of envy and jealousy. The start of it all. Where did it start? Jacob's compromise. Jacob's compromise. You see, he didn't love Leah. But he was married to Leah. And he decided, we're not going to let this rest. So he worked seven more years for Rachel. Now, what did Leah know about this situation? Leah knew she wasn't first choice, but she's stuck in a house knowing she wasn't first choice. Rachel, of course, he showed favoritism to Rachel. He showed favoritism to Rachel. And, of course, I would say having two wives in the same house, probably not going to be a good idea anyway, but if you're showing favoritism to one, you are, you are not real smart. You are, you're just, that's stupid. But that's what happened. And... He showed favoritism to Rachel's son simply because he loved Rachel all more than the other three wives. So he loved her son more. And it showed. It showed. Brings us to the second point of the poison of envy and jealousy, and that is the bitterness at somebody else's blessings. We continue in verse 3 and 4, which kind of set the, the, the stage for this. Now, Israel, and notice, name change. Israel, that's the same person as Jacob. There's a name change here. Jacob is Israel. Israel loved Joseph than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. It cannot speak peaceably to him. Well, we notice, first of all, the sons had it pretty well. I'll tell you how we know this. Joseph, Jacob, Israel, was a wealthy man. How do we know this? We had at least two servant girls, Bilhah and Zilpah. Now, we don't know if they were slave girls or they were just hired girls. We know that both went on. Usually a servant was a household employee, but we know he had at least two helpers in the house. He had enough livestock where you had to go miles away to find good pasture. So in order to get enough pasture for this many cows or sheep or whatever, he had to send them up to 50 miles away. That was a big spread. He had a big operation. He was a wealthy man, big livestock business, big enough for all of them to earn a good living. That'd have been okay if that's what everybody had. But the problem was not that Joseph, Jacob, Israel, the problem was not that Jacob went around and said, I'm going to take your part and your part and your part and your part and I'm fixing to give everybody a pay cut. 
That's not what happened. The problem wasn't they began to receive less. They just saw Joseph getting more. Now, all of a sudden, they were dissatisfied with the abundance that they had. They were blind to the Father's provision. You see the problem with envy and jealousy? We begin to see what somebody else has. All of a sudden, what we have, which God has bestowed upon us, it's no longer enough. We're unhappy with that. That means we're unhappy with God. They were unhappy with Daddy because of what somebody else had gotten. Now, Jesus has two parables that mention this. First of all, the parable of the laborers in the vineyard in Matthew chapter 20. You remember the story. They came and they bargained at early morning a, a, a coin a day, which is a decent wage. They bargained. They negotiated. Yeah, we're happy with this. We'll gladly work for that, man. Put us to work. And they went to the field and they worked and they were all happy. Then later on in the day, some other people were hired. And when they got paid, he started with the people that were hired late and he gave them that coin. That penny a day. But it was a day's, they think, man, we, we're, we're set up. Because these guys got what, what we would have gotten. And lo and behold, payday comes and they get exactly what they bargained for. They were happy with it in the morning. Why weren't they happy with it in the afternoon? Wasn't that they got less. They were happy because they saw what somebody else had. They saw what somebody else had. And now all of a sudden what they were satisfied with no longer satisfied so they were unhappy with the one that was providing for them you see how envy and jealousy is bad it's not between me and another person it becomes between me and God even though I may not know that Jesus also said a certain man had two sons and the younger son went away spent all his daddy's money came back daddy was all happy said kill the fatty calf now the elder son was in the field and he came and now all of a sudden he was unhappy. What was he unhappy about? Nothing changed concerning what he had gotten. In fact, rules of the decorum in the law today said when, of that day, when he split up the inheritance in order to get the, the younger brother's share, older brother got two-thirds, not half and half, two-thirds. Probably he got two-thirds, younger brother got a third, two-thirds is great. He still had every penny of it. But he came in and he saw what happened and he was unhappy. You know what he said? You never killed even a goat for me. And now you killed a fatted calf for brother. What, what was the problem? The problem wasn't what the father was giving him. He was giving him just as much as he always had. And he was happy with that. The problem was when he saw what he was giving to the other son. And you see, that's what happens when we see what other people have or what else is out there. And man, we would like that. We would like that kind of house we would like that kind of car we would like this kind of that and this kind of that all of a sudden we're not happy with anything God gives to us and you see the poison of envy and jealousy is that it doesn't stay in here does it when my heart begins to be unhappy about these things it begins to show because the inner condition shaped the outer behavior in verse 4 it said they could not speak to Joseph they couldn't speak peaceably to him they begin, if they spoke at all, it was short, sharp, or as we may say in South Arkansas, snippy, snippy, snippy. You know what happens. You know what happens. 
we get this kind of attitude, it doesn't stay in. It starts coming out. Poison begins to ooze out of everything we do and say. And that brings us to the third big lesson, is that's the frightening progression of unrestrained sin of the heart. You see, when I say unrestrained, it's like a horse. They just let go of the bridle and let that sin of the heart run. In verse 18, Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. Now how how do you think they recognized him? His coat of what? Many colors. You spot that a mile off. And they had a problem with the coat. Let me explain the coat before we go a little further. We think of a coat of many colors, maybe some sort of stylish jacket. You know, there's a stylish jacket that he had on. Oh, the word that we read in the New King James, and of course that was translated from the Hebrew, is tunic. Here's what people normally had. You had a piece of cloth 10 feet long, and you'd put a hole in the middle of it. Drape it over the front, drape it over the back. You'd wrap it all up, and there's how they did their robes. The word for coat of many colors, tunic of many colors, is different. It had sleeves. It actually was sewn. It really was a robe that was bestowed upon the heir of the father's household. Joseph had sent a message to the brothers when he gave him that robe of many colors. It was a royal robe. Hey, This is the one who gets the inheritance. And he was not the oldest brother. He was nowhere near the oldest brother. Any one of them could say, I'm next in line. So now we got a problem. So there's there's why they recognize him, that coat of many colors. Then they said to one another, look, they're conspiring. Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some wild beast has devoured him. We'll see what will become of his dreams. First of all, they had intentional evil plans. It wasn't like he came and made them all mad and they got so mad somebody threw a punch. No, no. Before he got there, they had plenty of time. And they conspired. And they made plans. And they laid a trap for their brother. And then you have indifference to common compassion. Look in uh, verse 21. When Reuben heard it, he delivered them out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness. Don't, don't lay a hand on him. Now his intention, as his look at, looks and the other uh, sinners, that he might deliver them out of their hands and bring him back to the father. And he didn't say this to the brothers, but that's what he said. So don't kill him, just throw him in the pit and then we'll be done with him. So it came to pass, Joseph had come to his brothers. They stripped Joseph of his coat, the coat of many colors that was on him. They took him and cast him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat a meal. They sat down to eat a meal. Now, that's a detail that's important. Because they had thrown Joseph into that pit and they were comfortable enough to sit down and eat. Now let me tell you what was happening while they were eating lunch. Chapter 42, verse 18. We fast forward 
to where dealing with Joseph, and we'll look at that, of course, at a later time. They're dealing with Joseph in another context here. And Joseph is asking some demands of them, and then they begin to converse among themselves. In chapter 42, verse 18, Joseph, who was commander in Egypt at that time, said to them the third day, Do this and live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house. But if you go and carry grain for, but you go and carry grain for the famine to your father's houses. And you bring your youngest brother to me, so your words will be verified and you will not die. And they did so. Look in verse 21. Then they said one to another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother. We saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Two words, anguish, unimaginable sorrow, unimaginable heartbreak, the anguish of his soul. Joseph was in anguish. Joseph was betrayed. And then we have the other word, he pleaded with us. As they threw him in the pit, they weren't done with Joseph. He was calling from out of the pit. He was asking for them to get him out. Somebody get me out. What are you doing? Get me out. Please, guys, get me out. Over and over again. And you know what they were doing? They were eating lunch. Here was a man who was in anguish and heartbreak and pleading for his life. They didn't care. That's, that's poison. And where did it start? Right here, envy, jealousy, bitterness turned to hatred, hatred turned to action. Hatred had numbed them to the point they didn't even feel any compassion when he pleaded with them. They sat down and ate lunch. Some pretty dark pictures here of Jacob's family. So where are the lessons here? Where, where's the light in all this darkness? Because it's a... That's a dark picture of what they did. <clears throat> Remember the name change. Jacob's name changed to Israel. These 12 sons, these 12 horribly imperfect brothers from a disaster of a family became the patriarchs for the 12 tribes of Israel. The lesson is this. God can take the most imperfect of any of us from the worst of any background and make something out of us. And of these men, he built the nation of Israel. Now, if God can do that with these guys, I think most of us may sit here and say, man, I'm not anywhere close to that bad. Well, okay, so I'm going to take you at your word, all right? If God can do that to these guys, what can he do with us? Because God's still interested in building a kingdom. Oh, not a political kingdom. God's still interested in building a kingdom. A kingdom of saved, born again, washed in the blood, children of God who go forth and win the world for him. And who does he use? Have we ever compromised? Yeah, all of us have. 
Have we ever had some things in our heart that shouldn't be? Sure we have. Have you ever, somebody hurt your feelings and you had a little bit of, you were disgruntled, you were unhappy, you were hurt, you were bitter, you were angry? Sure we have. God used all of these guys who had every bit of all this, and he built a nation. Why did he build this nation? That's the whole history of the Bible. He built this nation through which a Savior would come to reach us with the message of salvation. And you see, that's one of these Bible stories. They involve us big time. All of them involve us big time. We can't escape this. No, we, we're not keeping sheep in the desert. We don't have 11 more brothers who don't like us. We don't have any of all that, but it involves us. You're in this story because God did all this to build the nation, to bring a Savior in the world so that we could have eternal hope. Wow, that's the big lesson in the children's Bible story. Now we prepare for an invitation of him. There's a lot of places where this sermon can hit us. <clears throat> maybe, there's some, maybe there's something down in here that shouldn't be. Maybe you have been hurt. Maybe you have been hurt. And maybe the other person was wrong. Are you letting poison built up in this? Not, that's not good because poison eventually is going to overflow. And it's going to affect everybody around you. Maybe there's some compromise. And because of that compromise, you're automatically saying, I'm just disqualified. God, I can never do something for the Lord. Oh, no, no, no. Abraham compromised. Isaac compromised. Jacob compromised. All were imperfect. And God used every one of them. And God used these brothers. And God can use us. If we'll let him. As we stand and sing. Number 124.